0: You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Sandy Almendares, Editor in Chief. Brought to you by Supply Side West.
1: Welcome to a Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider podcast. I am Sandy Omendaris, the content director with Informa Health and Nutrition, and I am live at Supply Side West 2019 at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. Uh, it's the end of Thursday, so it's uh, we just finished up the first day of the show floor, uh, second day of our conferences, um, and I'm sitting here with Josh Long, who is the legal and regulatory editor, um, and we are gonna talk all things CBD and um, there We had a full day summit yesterday of CBD. So Josh, why don't we start there?
0: I don't even, where do you start with CBD? There's just, there's so much interest. Um, I guess the big takeaway for me is the more I learn about CBD, the more I realize I don't know very much about CBD. It's It's, it's complicated. Sourcing is complicated. Extraction is complicated. The legalities are complicated. The supply chain is immensely complicated. The number of people that are emerging in this industry is mind-boggling and complicated. So there is a huge learning curve in this industry, and it's going to be a while before it matures
1: yeah it's so it's so complicated as you noted yeah it's surging in popularity so that I think that that's the part that's not complicated right is the the consumer interest so I, I guess a lot of companies are seeing that it's worth it right it's worth it to go against all these complications and and we only can hope that that all these companies CBd companies are addressing those complications and not just overlooking them
0: absolutely you're right i mean it's it is simple in that the demand is immense and undeniable, and it just keeps growing every single day. Which is why all these huge multi-billion-dollar giants in the world are wanting to get into the space. But of course, with the legalities and so forth, um, some of them aren't jumping in quite yet. But you can, I think, we can agree that when the legalities are cleared up, the Coca Colas, the Pepsi's of the world. Will be selling CBD for sure.
1: So, you're confident that the legalities will be cleared up?
0: I think the legalities have to be cleared up because, like you said, there's so much interest in CBD, so much demand for the products. I mean, we even, our own survey data from MBJ, Nutrition Business Journal, shows that most people think CBD products are extremely effective, even though there isn't much science yet. Most people are really happy with these products. And so, FDA knows they have to do something. Congress, excuse me, Congress is writing to FDA on a regular basis. They want to uh, appease their constituents, the people that live in their states, um, that really want these products. And so, yeah, it's got to be resolved at some point. When, I don't know.
1: So what what are, from your sources, What, what is industry doing? What should industry be doing to help push FDA in this this direction to clear these things up so we have a legal path to market well there's a
0: there's some philosophical differences within the industry trade groups as always yeah as always um, the so four of the trade groups recently wrote to congress and they basically said we want you to Uh, Well, I guess we should back up. FDA said you can't sell CBD in a food or dietary supplement because essentially it was first studied as a drug. Then it was later approved as a drug, Epidiolex, to treat uh, severe forms of epilepsy. Um, So they wrote to Congress recently, I think a week ago, and uh, said, listen, we need to fix this problem that you can't sell cbd in a food or dietary supplements because companies are not going to invest in the safety work and the other science to prove that it's effective unless they know there's a legal pathway and there's not any exposure there so they want the congress to pass a law to legalize cbd in food and dietary supplements and then there's For example, the Natural Products Association that says, no, what we need to do first of all is set a safe level for CBD because public health should be the number one priority. Um, You also have Congress going to FDA saying, you need to do X, Y, and Z. You're you're not doing anything, FDA, so Congress is frustrated. And then FDA is saying, we know all these products are out there. We are looking into it. We're concerned, but a rulemaking could take three to five years. So, we don't know what's going to happen. It, it's really it's it's a bizarre thing because the mark the, the marketplace has exploded as you know since 2014 when the first farm bill was passed that allowed these CBD products to be on the market for research purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if FDA were to come out with a rule in five years, that would be 10 years after products entered the marketplace. That's just unacceptable for public health reasons, and it just wouldn't they wouldn't be able to evolve with the times. They need to get they need to do something now, not.
1: Right. So, so far, what has FDA done in the CBD space?
0: FDA has done very little in the CBD space. I mean, largely, they've said over and over, they've been consistent. You can't sell CBD in a food or a dietary supplement. American companies have ignored the agency, said, yeah, well, there's all kinds of demand, so we're going to do it anyways. They have written warning letters to companies that say, you know, my product treats, alzheimer's disease or cancer but you know you and i we could teach our daughters to write a warning letter to somebody that's saying your product treats cancer or alzheimer's disease that is the low-hanging fruit in terms of you know easy pickings Um, the other thing they did this week in fact is they did issue a warning to really tailor to women that are uh, breastfeeding or pregnant that you need to stay away from any products with THC or CBD or marijuana. They also mm. said they're investigating the possibility of contaminants in CBD, like pesticides, uh, bacteria, fungus, things like that. So that's really interesting. We'll see where that investigation goes. But it's clear that they're, they're, they're somewhat active, but they're, they really I think the consensus is they really haven't done much.
1: Right. So in the summit, I'm sure there was discussion about um, different products, right? So the FDA has, has, has this, uh, the, the drug-approved drug, the Epidiolex, is, is isolated CBD, and that the industry, uh, m- many responsible industry members are focusing on this full-spectrum hemp-derived CBD. Has, has that, what was what's the discussion there? I mean,
0: it's a really interesting one. I mean, there was a gentleman that made a really good point. I don't think he's a lawyer, but he he was obviously well-informed. And he said, you know, there's this widespread perception out there that if you're selling a broad-spectrum hemp extract, whatever you want to call it, that somehow it's legal because... It has all these different cannabinoids from the cannabis plant. And he made the point, and it's true, FDA has never distinguished CBD products, CBD isolates from a broad-spectrum hemp extract that contains CBD and other cannabinoids. And in other words, if your product contains CBD, according to FDA anyways, in its public speeches, in its warning, in its warning letters, and in its um, Q&A, it's illegal. You can't sell it in a food or dietary supplements. You call it whatever you want, but if it's got CBD in it and mm-hmm. it's not Epidiolex and it's in a food or dietary supplement, according to FDA anyways, that's illegal.
1: That's very interesting. So we were talking, you know, about this, the drug, right? And that you mentioned the provision. Um, you said that because it, CBD is in this drug, that that's why we can't sell it in dietary supplements. Um, but that goes back to DeShay, right? That's a, a of DSHEA, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994, which we were celebrating the 25th anniversary of this uh, law, um, and you had a featured speaker session today on that. So uh, what were the takeaways from that session? How are people viewing DSHEA 25 years, and how will the next 25 years look like?
0: Um, I think it's also worth mentioning, I believe... President Clinton signed Dershowitz 25 years ago. Next Friday it will be the 25th anniversary, the well, official 25th anniversary. We should anniversary. have some champagne and cake. We definitely should have some champagne. Because we're all here because of it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so that's so that's worth noting. Um, and you know, there was vigorous uh, debates and discussions about about Deshaies, What's worked? What hasn't worked? I think we really focused on you know the future. How do we move forward? It's clear the law was a massive monumental success. Like you said, we wouldn't have jobs if it it wasn't Mm -hmm. such a huge success. Look at Supply Side West. How many people come to this show? Um, Look at the number of products on the market. It's upwards of 80,000 according to FDA. Look at the revenues annually according to NBJ. It's, you know, closing in on 40 billion a year. It's been a monumental success from the standpoint of access to these products. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess you could debate whether they're consumers are adequately protected but we know this we don't unlike food where there's you know there's lots of outbreaks and fda issues these alerts all the time and says hey there's an outbreak of salmonella outbreak of e coli whatever you look at dietary supplements you and i have been covering this for a long time now and i can count on one hand actually one finger one major outbreak Mm -hmm. that was tied to a company that was subsequently indicted Mm -hmm prosecuted by the Department of Justice and their executives entered a plea agreement and now they're um, you know facing some serious prison time um, my point is this we don't have huge safety outbreaks right like, like like in the conventional food industry so the critics might say it's it's still not safe but if you just look at that alone and you're in this industry you could make a good argument that these products are relatively safe
1: Right. I mean, I think many mainstream media, the the aspect might not be safety, but the efficacy. But that was never really what Diche was designed to do.
0: In terms of
1: is to establish efficacy of, of these of dietary supplements, or to right. ensure efficacy, I guess I should say, of these of dietary supplements.
0: Well, you you know, the law says your, your your claims need to be truthful and not misleading. And so, if you're saying, for example, it helps with sleep or it helps with anxiety, right. you do have a duty a explicit duty under the statute to have the science, obviously, yeah, to true. ensure that they are effective. So the law did does provide that and of course the Federal Trade Commission requires that your your claims are substantiated and that with competent and reliable scientific evidence. So there's already requirements under the law for these dietary supplement companies to produce safe products and for them to be effective. Now whether that is sufficient is open to debate. Right.
1: So it's hugely successful law, like rah rah there has got to be pain points, though, and were those brought up in the, in the featured speaker yeah, session.
0: Mean, absolutely, there's, I mean, we've been covering this for a long time. We know one pain point is you know the NDI provision that... Um,
1: New dietary ingredient.
0: Right. So FDA always says, hey, dietary supplements aren't subject to pre-market approval, but there is a provision in the law that says if you're selling a new dietary ingredient, subject to some exceptions, which we won't get into, if you're sub- selling a new dietary ingredient, you have to provide notification to FDA and documentation, establishing that that ingredient is safe. So before you put it on the market, we know consumers are protected. Well, we, we both know the system, according to many executives, is broken. Mm-hmm. We had... Fiscal year 2019, which just ended the government's fiscal year, there was 40 NDI notifications. I just confirmed that with FDA two days ago, or yesterday. The the year before, there was 45 notifications. Okay, 45 notifications, 40 notifications, right? 80,000 products on the market, up to 80,000 products right. 80, products on the market, according to FDA. You're telling me none of those other products that are on the market are subject to an NDI notification? They're all old ingredients? Look at CBD, for example. There's 2,000 SKUs or something like that in the marketplace. Right. None of those have filed an NDI. Right. Well, we all know what
1: FDA would say to an NDI, so that's that's why they're not filing that. Um, we
0: know FDA would object, but, but the point is, is just if you look at the CBD market alone, nobody has really invested in the safety, right? And they're selling those products as dietary supplements.
1: I mean, some have invested in grass, that generally recognized as safe, but that's. It can be argued that that might not be as high of a standard as the new dietary ingredient. Uh, right. Requirement. I think there's
0: one company. I'm only familiar with one company that has invested in. That's in, in the that. one company that I know. Right. The one <laughs> company. It's a public yeah. company and um i know the people over there you know the people over there yeah. they're very smart people and they and they and they invested there but that's it that's one company out right. of scores of companies out there in the market
1: right so what are how how were your panelists thinking about the next 25 years of the do we think that this law's under attack or are we get is it smooth sailing or what's what's the future i mean i
0: it's hard to give a simple answer i, I think there is a sense that that, that industry needs to be proactive it can't be that this it can't be the same response, okay? It can't the next time there's an outbreak, for example, tied to dietary supplements, let's say it's C B D, the response can't be we are subject to GMPs and responsible companies comply with those. We're subject to adverse event reporting, you know we have all these requirements that we need to abide by. We're 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 amply regulated. That's not gonna cut it if somebody if a bunch of people get sick. Right. So they realize that there may be there may be a need for uh, meaningful changes in the law and one thing that was discussed and debated was this whole notion of a mandatory product registry uh-huh. uh, whether because there's up to 80,000 products whether there should be products should be registered with FDA because right now there's no requirement to list your product your dietary supplement product with the federal government so FDA says we don't know which products are on the marketplace that is obviously concerning mm-hmm. and there was de- there was debate at the Uh, this morning about whether that's a good idea, whether that's a bad idea, and, you know, what's the end game.
1: Right, right. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for joining me. Before we go, I'm going to mention two points. One, my daughter is one, so I cannot teach her to write a warning letter. Not yet, anyway. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. And two, um, I I was in a a, session yesterday for uh, FISMA, the Food Safety Modernization Act, so... To talk about the how you you mentioned all the outbreaks in the conventional food space. Well, there is a law. We're working on it. Um, the takeaway there is it's very complicated. There's a lot of checklists, a lot of things to do. Uh, the companies are struggling with uh, foreign supplier verification, um, you know, and uh, we're we're working on it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to Insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. This edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast is brought to you by Supply Side West.